Eye on 2020, episode 304. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, host of Ion 2020. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate those that continue to come back and listen to the show, those who are sharing the show as well, because I do see the numbers that are growing. It must be because some of y'all are sharing the show with your friends. Other people are able to find the show because you're given five-star ratings and reviews. So when they're looking for libertarian shows on their Apple iPod or through their iPhone or whatever their, you know, whatever their listening device is, you guys have given five-star ratings and that helps to the algorithms to say, oh yeah, that's a good libertarian show, so uh, we're going to go ahead and show that to that person who's searching for libertarian shows, and then boom, Ion 2020 pops up. This is a libertarian look at the 2020 elections, so if you guys are looking for some good news about the election, you could always find that here. I am constantly searching for something to talk about with regards to the election. But I'm also focused on COVID-19 and your loss of rights along with that. I also focus in a little bit on the um, different things that are going on with police brutality as well. I've been focusing on that because I do think that that is an issue in America. Uh, I think that the, a lot of people are going about it the wrong way with regards to keeping the focus on the police brutality rather than making everything about racism. I do feel that we need to focus on, on police brutality and systemic racism in the sense that we need to break down the laws and the rules and the regulations that keep minorities and other people out of businesses. The little system systemic things that are in the system that make it so that law enforcement is over-policing in certain areas. And we've talked about that in the past as well. So uh, when I say systemic racism, I do have a definition for that systemic racism because I don't care if somebody is racist in their personal views. They have no power over you or me or anybody else if it's just some idiot person who hates black people or Hispanic people or whoever, whatever culture they don't, or Jewish people. They don't have any power. Government is what gives people power. Government and the state is what gives people power and when people have the ability to go get laws passed in favor of their race and that has happened in the past in America that's what I mean when I say systemic racism I have a very forward definition of that and that is the government federal state and local laws that do make it so that minorities have a harder time in America and there are things like that. I mean, if you the, the drug war is the main example that I've talked about in the past. The drug war because it puts a puts a city in a position like for example, if there if if cops are looking for marijuana, then they're going to go into certain areas where they think marijuana is at and where marijuana is more prevalent or it's easier to find. And it's not in the white suburban neighborhood or wherever that is. It's typically in the inner city where, it's, where there's poorer, poorer people. 
and that would be an area where there might be more minorities as well. So they're going to be, and that's where the drug dealing will go on also because you have a population who is more open to the idea of selling drugs because they have less risk involved. For example, I'm not going to sell drugs out of my house because I have a house, a car, a family, and kids that depend upon me. But if you're a 16-year-old youth, then you're more likely to be sitting on the corner selling drugs because you have less risk involved in it. You have less on the line. You have It is more profitable in your mind to take that risk. So in the inner city, that's where you're going to be able to go. If you're, if you're looking in any city, where do you go to find drugs? You go, there's certain areas, I'm sure, where you can probably find some people hanging on the corner selling drugs. Or whatever. So the police are going to be in those areas. So what happens in that situation? You're going to have a black market set up where somebody has to protect that black market. And they're going to have a whole system of people involved to protect that market. Which is going to be, you're going to have people that are standing up and looking for the cops. Maybe they'll call and say, hey man, cops head in your way. You're going to have one corner that's going to have a group of people selling on this corner, and then down the road you're going to have people selling on that corner. And if the if these guys want to make more profit that are on this corner, then they might try to take out the guys down there on the other corner. So you're going to have little gang wars. Gangs form in order to protect illegitimate trade, a black market. So you get rid of the drug war, you get rid of a lot of the systemic racism that's out there. And I don't know if it's specifically systemic I don't know if that's a racist thing, but the drug war, the war on drugs, the making drugs illegal in America, they never made, they, they made, sorry, they did make liquor and alcohol illegal in the 20s, and what happened? You had a black market for it, it was the most notorious time in America for crime, or one of the most notorious times for crime, because you had people killing other people over the liquor trade. You don't have that nowadays. You don't have Budweiser taking out the Miller Lite guys. You don't have Jack Daniels thugs going in and, and raiding the, or beating up the Jim Beam guys. It's just not something that happens now. It's competition. And it's all done in a white market. It's done in a market of uh, where, you know, you can have your protection from the court's and so forth, but in the black market of the drug trade, it's completely different. And the thing that the thing that happens is those kids and those people that are trying to protect their turf end up in violent conflicts. So you get rid of a lot of the so-called systemic racism just by getting rid of the drug war. I've talked about this in the past. That's important to realize. So yeah, I t- talked about that a little bit, but I wanted to focus in today though on Trump, on Trump. So this is what can he this is what I've been thinking over the weekend is can Trump win? Like the polls are not in his favor. Biden is up in the polls. But as you guys know from 2016, that's not always that accurate, right? So you have right now you have Joe Biden, Donald Trump and Joe Jorgensen. Those are the three people that are going to be nationally on the polls. You also have the Green Party candidate who will be on like 37 of the state's um, ballots 
but Joe Jorgensen will be on all 50. But pretty much, I mean, when you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, the two people that are running are Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Those are the ones that, those are the two that have a chance of winning. And I'm a libertarian. You guys know that. I, I will vote libertarian. I will always support the libertarians. But I think it's more, in my mind, it is a vote that says, in my mind, screw you to the two-party system. That's why I vote. And I wish more people would vote libertarian because of that and not think to themselves, oh, I need to l- vote for the lesser of two evils. Oh, Joe Biden is a little bit better than Donald Trump. Or, oh, we just need to get rid of Donald Trump, so I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. Or, oh my gosh, look at Joe Biden. He's a socialist and he's controlled by the left, so I'm going to vote for Donald Trump because he's the lesser of two evils. I don't think like that. And I wish more people would not think like that because then maybe a third party would have a chance. Maybe we would have a political system that listens to the population slightly more than they do. And maybe I'm just delusional and I shouldn't vote at all. Maybe I should be the person that just turns my back on the system. But I just don't think that that's the case. I don't think that's the case. So, right now, Donald Trump has 96% support among Republicans. 96% support. Uh, and uh, the Real Clear Politics average, though, shows that Joe Biden is at 49% nationally and Donald Trump is at 40% nationally. And a lot of the polls are showing that Trump is way down on Joe Biden. Uh, RCP is the Real Clear, Clear Politics average, right? So it takes an average of all the polls over the last couple of weeks. And then it kind of merges them together. So Biden up 49%, Trump up 40% or down four, down by nine points on Biden. But um, as you guys know, 2016 really just shined a light on how bad the polling is right now. Maybe they've gotten better since, since then, I don't know. Um, Trump's approval rating, though, it's hovered around 45%, 44%. Sometimes it's gone to 50%. So it's... His approval rating is pretty good right now, comparably, and I've seen it go as low as 40%, but it hovers around 45%. But I think Barack Obama, I was looking at different things before, and Barack Obama was around 45% for his entire uh, his entire presidency as well. So I'm not, I don't think that that really shows that Donald Trump is not going to get reelected. When you have 45% approval, 53% disapprove, a lot of those people are not even going to get out there and vote, especially if they have an uninspiring candidate as well. Um, but the most important thing is what are the swing states doing, right? And the only poll that I found that was really recently is Florida. And I've seen ones for Ohio, I've seen ones for Michigan that are actually showing Biden winning. Uh, Florida has Trump losing by six points right now when they do polls there. And Florida is a huge, is, is terribly important to Donald Trump to win. So he needs to start doing better in Florida. He needs to start doing better in, in North Carolina. He needs to start doing better in Ohio and Michigan. I mean, I think he even won Pennsylvania in 2016. So those are key places for him to win. And I think if you look at the map right now, it is showing that Joe Biden has 
you know, over a, about a hundred more electoral college votes than Donald Trump. So it's pretty important that Donald Trump wins all of the swing states in order to win. Even Texas right now shows Donald Trump only up by one. And Texas is always a Republican state. And that's only showing Trump's up by one. So that's going to be a challenge for him to overcome. And then the other thing is if you look at the poll, those, um, the election betting odds sites, it really is showing that Donald Trump is only has like a 37% chance of winning. So is it possible for Trump to win in the current situation that we're in now? That is, that it's up in the air, really. I don't think that it, I, I mean, right now I'm thinking to myself, if you look at the, if you look at the evidence, the evidence is showing that Donald Trump can't win, that we're going to be looking at a Joe Biden presidency in 2020. That's what the evidence is showing me. But you never know. I mean, things might turn around, but I feel like the press and also, I mean, I personally feel like Donald Trump has not given the people what they want in regards to the his response to COVID-19. Now, you guys know as a libertarian, I don't believe that the government and the federal government specifically needs to have any involvement in COVID-19 except for maybe some recommendations from people on high. And that's about it. And I don't think that the Trump response by signing a $3 trillion in more debt onto American or onto the American taxpayer is a good thing. I don't think that the backroom deals and these little handouts that they did to all of their lobbyists and stuff like that is a good thing. And I don't think that he should have signed that. But Americans are different than me. And I think that Americans have been trained to look at the federal government for advice, for direction, for what to do in times of crisis. I think that's what most Americans think that the federal government should be doing. Whether it's whether it should be doing that or not, I think that Americans have this idea that they want the government to do more. They want the federal government to do more. To go outside its constitutional bounds. So has Donald Trump done right by the American people of what their expectations are of the government? Probably not. Probably not. Because he's been sort of hands off on the actual what's going on with COVID-19 in some ways. Like he hasn't given mandates to the states. He's given they're like they've given direction to the states. So I think that a lot of people might feel like he should have done more. So is that gonna help him in November though? I don't think so. I think that people that they will really paint the picture that Donald Trump mis mismanaged the COVID nineteen response maybe. And if people people believe that and if the death rates continue to rise and all that stuff, if they just don't have it under control, or the perception is they don't have it under control in November, then people might be looking for a new way forward. So can Donald Trump win? I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if he can. But you know what? I think I was saying that in 2016 as well, before the election. That I didn't think Donald Trump... Like it, was, it, it blew my mind that Donald Trump won. I think a couple days before that, the election, I was thinking to myself that it's a possibility that he could could win. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. But another thing I'm not convinced of is if the Democrats are even going to nominate Joe Biden to be their guy. <clears throat> like, the the Democrats have not had their final vote. They have not determined who their candidate is going to be yet. Joe Biden is the presumptive nominee, but he's not the nominee. They could still take it away from him. They could still talk him out of it. There's a lot that they can do right now to make it so that Joe Biden does not become their nominee. Like, they might go to convention. They might have an online convention or something like that just to go through the formalities and not have an in-person convention, like a big old inspiring convention, because Joe Biden's not going to inspire people anyway with his grandiose speech. So will they nominate Joe Biden? I, I don't, I don't know. I'm st- I, I, sort of think that is a possibility that they won't, because he's been taking a lot of heat lately. I mean, I was reading a post of Donald Trump's in the, and I was just reading some of the people that respond to Donald Trump. Because if you look at Donald Trump, whenever he posts a tweet, like eighty percent of the people that are responding to it are Trump haters, right? And they were like, one person said, "We'll take anybody except for you, Donald Trump. We will take, we will take Mickey Mouse instead of you. We'll take anything. Like, well, I will vote for anybody over you." So you could have probably Adolf Hitler over Donald Trump or something in in some of these people's mind. I, I doubt that's the case, but because not comparing Joe Biden to Adolf Hitler by any means. But anyway, you could you could literally have anybody, any Democrat up there, no matter how bad they are on anything, and these some of these people will vote for that person. It's the independents that are really going to make the determination of who's going to be the president anyway. The independents, those that are going to those that are going to get across from Republican to Democrat based upon their feelings or their emotions or who they think is just a better leader or whatever. But I still, I'm not sure that the Democrats are going to vote for, or that are going to nominate Joe Biden, because he's just taking a lot of heat for his stuttering, for his inability to put together, like, really coherent statements, for getting kind of sidetracked and not really making sense if he's doing a speech. And even when he's, like, reading the teleprompter, he's not good at reading a teleprompter. So if he starts reading that teleprompter, he gets kind of jumbled up. And that kind of screws him up, and that goes for great headlines on Fox News. For sure. For sure. So it's kind of up in the air. Oh, and I was thinking about this as well. I don't remember Joe Biden being, like, jumbled up on stage with his words in 2008 and 2012 when they had the vice presidential debates and I usually will watch those debates like I've always watched the debates for the presidents for the vice presidents for each of those candidates and I just don't remember like the talk of Joe Biden kind of having the gaffes on stage but he had plenty of gaffes on stage 
and during his speeches and stuff like that for the last, you know, year or so since he started running, so who knows? Who knows? But I, I'm just not convinced that Donald Trump can win right now. Not that it's really that important to me being a libertarian, on whose president I've always felt like this, that it doesn't really matter who's president. We're still going to go on in our lives. We're still going to lose freedoms every single day. We're still going to have a Congress and a Senate who is pandering to their constituency to get reelected. And they're the ones that pass the bills. They're the ones that pass the laws. Every law, every bill, every loss of your freedom starts in the Congress and in the Senate. And then it gets passed over to the politician that's in office as the president. And, and that's the person that signs in the law. But we need to have, the, from the lower level, we need to have more libertarians in Congress. We need to have more libertarian-leaning people in the Senate. We need to have people that are going to fight for freedom at that lower level. That's what it really comes down to. That's what it, that's in the end. That's it. So, um, and then also divided government is very important. Like it is very important to have a Republican house, a Republican Senate and a Democrat in office as the president in some ways, because less, less freedoms get taken away then or vice versa. It's great to have a Republican house, a Democrat Senate and a Republican in office or something like that as well. Like, if you have divided government, that is really when less gets done. What happened when the Congress, the Senate, and the House were under Republican control? That was under George W. Bush. We get the Iraq War. We get the over the, the Patriot Act. We get the government just overstepping its bounds. What happens in 2008 when you have a House that's Democrat, a Senate that's Democrat, and a president that's Democrat. You end up getting Obamacare. You end up getting backroom deals for to pass this thing through. You end up getting a, a vote on the House on Christmas Eve to pass the biggest, the largest legislation that's been passed with regards to your health care in decades. That's almost impossible to get rid of now. Even Donald Trump promises to get rid of it. It's not gone. He just took the teeth out of it. What happens... I mean, that's what happens when you have... A, a united government. A one-party rule. You get bad legislation. You get more loss of freedoms. So divided government is great. So if you have... The potential of having a Democrat House, a Democrat Senate, and then you end up having a Republican in office as the president, that's probably a better thing. So I do think about that as well. So anyway, let me move on really briefly as well and talk about COVID-19. You've been hearing about it like crazy, right? There's just so many cases that are getting... There's so many new cases all over America. It's just growing. Florida, 15,000 new cases in one day. South Carolina, thousands of new cases every day. We're record-breaking cases every single day. Are there more hospitalizations, though? 
Are there more deaths, though? South Carolina did have a, quite a few more deaths. You're seeing a few more hospitalizations. You're seeing 20% of people that are getting that are getting tested are testing positive. Sounds terrible, right? But consider this. Consider this, guys. They're doing 700% more tests right now than they were a month and a half ago. At one point, they were doing 100,000 tests a day. Now they're doing like six or 700,000 tests per day in America. Are you going to see more positive cases when you're doing 700% more tests daily than you were a month ago? Absolutely. So that's, I mean, they're just doing more tests. It used to be a month and a half, two months ago. In the beginning, the only way you can get a test is if you were like over 65 or had a pre-existing condition. A month and a half ago, they brought it down where you can get a test if you're, say, say you have that you're over 45. But if you were still a, a kid, a child, it was hard for you to get a test then. If you were a teenager or in your 20s or healthy 30s, hard to get a test. Now, if you go, you can get a test at any, t- any testing station. So obviously, you're going to have more cases. Are they terminal cases? No. And you know this because we went from 7%, the, the, the death rate, that's the number of positive cases versus the number of deaths. Confirmed death rate went from 7% down to 4%. That's low. The confirmed cases down to 4%. I'd love to see over the last month what the confirmed fatality rate is over the last month. Take out all of the numbers from before a month ago and only use the 700,000 tests that were done and how many people died. That would be the way to figure out what the confirmed, a more accurate version of a confirmed fatality rate. And then to keep this in mind as well, when they are out there and you are tested positive for COVID, they have these trackers now. They have the people out there that are doing the contact tracing. So if I have COVID-19, they're going to ask me, who have I talked to in the last two months? In the last two months, who have you spoken with? Or not two months, sorry. In the last two weeks, who have you spoken with? Who have you been around? Who have you socialized with? And I'll give names or I'll give contact information of who those people are. And then those contact tracers will call them and say, hey, you've been around someone with COVID-19. Can you go out and get a test done? You should look into getting a test. So obviously you're going to have more percentage of people who are testing positive. So when South Carolina is 20% of people, well, the contact tracers are doing a great job then. They're finding those people that have been around other people that have had it. That's one of the reasons why. It might be because it's spreading more in South Carolina or in Florida now as well. Florida, 11% of people that are tested have it. So it's not as prevalent as in South Carolina. South Carolina has some hot spots right now as well. I'm talking about South Carolina because I live here. 
Florida has its hot spots. Texas has its hot spots. Every state has its hot spots. But they're doing the testing. They're doing so many more tests. In about a week or two, you'll start seeing... So there's about a two or three week lag or so from the tests being positive to the death rate going up. Or the hospitalizations going up. I'd love to see what happens then. I'm skeptical on the whole idea of uh, what's going on. I know that obviously COVID-19 is real. I'm not one of those people who are skeptical on that. I'm not one of those people who think it's a big conspiracy. And I'm not one of those people that thinks too much. I think politicians have politicized this thing. And a lot of politicians are trying to have some sort... They're just trying to cover their own butt, if you know what I mean. Look like they're doing something in the name of a crisis. In the event of a crisis. And that's what politicians do. But I'm skeptical of a lot of the numbers. I'm skeptical of the way that it is presented in the media. And the reason why I say that is because the media is going to pick up on these things as well. And one prime example is this. School starting up back in a month or so right now. A lot of schools are talking about staying out of school. A lot of schools are talking about canceling uh, school for a while or just doing online school for a while. Donald Trump is in the news talking about making sure schools go back to school and doing all his stupid tweets about how he's going to cut off funding to schools if they don't go back to school full time and all this stuff. So it's become a political issue. So in the news right now, especially in South Carolina and Florida, every time a child dies from COVID, which keep this in mind, as of of July 4th or something like that when I looked it up, 29 people under 14 had died from COVID-19. In South Carolina, one died recently, so now it's 30 that I know of. So, but right now, every single time a child gets sick with COVID, it's in the news. Every single issue, like that's what they keep on talking about, is, oh, a child gets, oh, anybody can get this thing. Anyone can die from this thing. When the vast majority of people are over 65 and the ones that are under that age had a pre-existing condition of some sort, especially a terminal condition. So that's the news. They're going to they're gonna pick up on that stuff. They're going to try to control the narrative. So we need to be able to look through that narrative. That's, that's the key. Looking through that narrative. Looking through it and seeing the facts for what they are. And then moving forward in that in that direction, not letting your mind get focused in on that stuff. But anyway, guys, I wanted to uh, go ahead and wrap up the show now. I appreciate those that continue to listen. Uh, Five-star ratings are always helpful. If you'd like to follow the show, you can do that. Go to I on the Empire on Facebook and on Twitter. You can also type on IonTheEmpire.com, and that's the website that I use. I post a lot of news articles there as well. Uh, but keep on coming back, listening, and uh, if you ever want to contact me, Ray at IonTheEmpire.com, you can do that, or you can do it through Messenger as well. And, uh, you know, come on back on Thursday so you can have clear vision for 2020.